comic books, video games, television, and movies. In a world where the media has been dominated by superheroes and sci-fi, these barely Irish assholes must band together to make sense of it all. It's not news. It's utterly nonsense. Welcome back to the Utterly Nonsense Podcast on this end of February episode here. We were thinking of doing one in February, but then we thought, hmm, maybe we should hold off, so... But now something recently has come about. Something on a network that we said we probably wouldn't talk about again, but you probably know what we mean, so uh, we're gonna get into that, among other things, or thing. So look, inevitably, since the beginning, we've had to talk about the Arrowverse at least once in a while. Yeah. Um, I, I think back when we first started doing the podcast and we actually did the video elements, uh, we were at least bringing up the Flash on a weekly basis. So, yep, uh, <laughs> yep. Remember the good old days? Yeah, so... Uh, Who watched the Flash tonight? I did, I did. Jack says, <laughs> no, what? what? What's Flash? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's not like we talk about the CW too regularly or any of those uh, shows all too regularly. But, you know, we're seeing uh, just a whole bunch of things coming from the CW. Uh, obviously, Batwoman started back up a few weeks ago. Flash is starting up this upcoming week. And the obvious crux of this episode is that uh, Superman and Lois started this past week, which is, I, I don't know if we want to talk about reviews or expectations first, um, but it, it's definitely different than what I think we were expecting going into it. Yeah, and that's actually the reason why I decided that we should talk about it, is because it's not your typical network fair, at least not yet. I mean, there's there's maybe a few elements of it, but overall, I'd say it's not what you would... So, yeah, it's not what you'd expect for something. It's drastically like. different, and sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off or anything, no, but I feel like it's uh, drastically different from anything in the Arrowverse, anything that we've seen on the CW up until this point. Yeah, that's so. the main thing. It's different from the Arrowverse. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we know it's firmly rooted in the Arrowverse because this version of Superman, this version of Lois Lane, have made numerous appearances in Supergirl before. It's very much canonically the same Superman and very much canonically the same Lois Lane, as far as we know. I mean... Who knows how they want to uh, frame it, but uh, yeah. the fact that it's the same cast sort of implies that it's canonically the same universe. So before we continue, I will say if this is your first time listening, uh, welcome and congratulations. You've discovered one of the most obscure podcasts about entertainment related things on the internet. There's more obscure podcasts for sure. Spend five minutes on podcast Twitter. There's definitely more obscure podcasts. Yeah, like we've been following a whole <laughs> bunch of them. Just like look at our follow list and then there's all of these different things that you've probably never heard of. I mean, we've never heard of them, but uh, yeah, we're all finding each other. It's all one big happy family, isn't it? 
it's actually a really nice community, and uh, I'm just thankful there's so many podcasters on Twitter who want to follow us, who want to build up our following, who are helping us build up our listening base, who are some of the time helping us promote ourselves. So that's very nice. And, you know, if you do want to follow us on Twitter, all of our links are available on UtterlyNonsense.com, or you can just find us directly on Twitter at UtterlyPodcast, U-T-T-E-R-L-Y Podcast. That is right. And we're obviously going to promote this again at the end of this thing. But until then, check us out. Thanks for listening so far. And let's dive into the rest of this thing. So as this is our first episode post self-cancellation, <laughs> because why wouldn't you since it's inevitable that we're going to get anyway for a multitude of things that we've said over, over the many episodes that we've done. What is this? Uh, 60? No. 70? We're 70. 69 was the cancellation one. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Episode 70. How about that? Yeah. So anyway, uh, one little point of follow-up to the episode we did. So we talked about Mandalorian twice towards the end of last year. And there was actually one thing I wanted to bring up in one of those. So I guess it was even going on back then was that uh, the actress who plays the character Cara Dune, Gina Carano, there was some something going on with whatever she was saying on Twitter always twitter and you know it was like trending uh, fire gina carano don't fire gina carano even back right. then so so first of all um yeah like look we knew it was gonna happen yeah. it, it, it like it basically fire gina carano would trend every month or so just <laughs> for god knows what reason basically you have portions of twitter that just exist to attack certain celebrities and try to take them down try to cancel them Literally, our last two episodes were why you should watch The Mandalorian and why cancel culture is very much a real thing. So go check those both out because they sort of explain this whole uh, controversy, if you want to call it that, a little more. <laughs> um, but basically, I sort of saw Gina Carano's uh, firing coming. Um, and I think we actually probably posted that episode like a week before she actually got fired from The Mandalorian. Uh, give or take. Uh, well, this just happened a couple days ago. No, it's been at least a couple weeks at this point, hasn't it? I mean, well, we did the... No, it's not been a couple weeks. Like, I just, I was just reading about it a few days ago. I'm positive of that. But we actually did the episode towards the like early half of last month. It was February 10th that she got fired, which was 17 days ago. Right. And we did the last episode on like January 9th or something. Was it real? Oh, okay, it didn't seem like that long. Wow, time flies. Um, but point is, it's been like a couple weeks since she's actually been fired, and we did see it coming. Uh, basically, she was just a magnet for controversy. Uh, controversy. You know, I wouldn't even necessarily call her a conservative. I don't think she identifies that way. Um, well, maybe she does, and it's just kind of latent. Yeah. But to my understanding, the reasons for it was that on Twitter, she was liking a number of posts like some of them would be, let's say, in the vein of a skeptical nature towards the uh, policy towards, you know, shutting down businesses to mitigate spread right. of the virus and things like that, or m maybe even masks. And then um, other parts yeah. of it was, was about, you know, the election and the whole fraud thing. I don't think... Any of them were, like, I don't think she ever took a hardline stance on any of it. It was just kind of more in the, like I said, air of skepticism. 
it seemed more like, oh, this is just her opinion. She's not like saying you have to live by this exact opinion. She's not saying you're wrong if you disagree with this. The whole mask thing was a, like she posted an image of uh, the state of California and it was just a guy covered in surgical masks. <laughs> Um, that doesn't even necessarily sound like anti-mask rhetoric to me. It's just pointing out the fact that people are taking it super seriously. And, you know, obviously now double masking is the thing. So it's not too far off from having a lot of masks all over your face. But yeah, so first of all, I should say I strongly disagree with what she did post. Um, just you know, there's no way around it, right? Like just my politics are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum right. from that. So uh, I, I feel but that being said, I don't think she should have been canceled. She shouldn't have been uh, fired or anything like that from her job, specifically because she has those views, you know? Well, what it could have been was a buildup of things over time, because you got to figure when Disney signs contracts with actors, they say, all right, you maintain a social media presence, but uh, we, like we don't want you to say certain kinds of things because, in essence, when you work for a company like that, you're kind of you know, you're the face, you're representing that company. So, they say there's lines that you shouldn't cross and that's a stipulation in your contract. If it was that, then I can understand that maybe she pushed the line too far. But the main thing that at least I guess is what uh, pushed them over the edge to finally make the decision was she reshared, oh God, social media is so dumb, reshared some kind of post on an Instagram story that uh, sort of equated you know, the struggle of Jews during World War II, how they were attacked by, it was saying about how they were attacked by not just, you know, the organized German army, but, well, I'll just say Nazis. I was, I was trying to not say it, but why not? Yeah, I mean, you, there's no way around it. Yeah. Um, but, but like it's saying, you know, that, the, that a na their neighbors were convinced to hunt them down. And that was being equated to cancel culture. So... Here's what I will say on it. Um, people were calling her anti-Semitic for posting that. I don't necessarily see anything that's anti-Jewish about anything in that post. It's more just pointing out the obvious fact that, uh, you know, people's neighbors did turn on them, which is what led to the Nazis being able to take over through xenophobia. That That's all just historical fact, right? No one is disputing that that's what happened to the Jewish people in Nazi Germany. Um, the difference is... You know, it's her basically comparing her situation to being a Jew in Nazi Germany that people took offense to. And, you know, that's obviously a pretty big leap, right? Like, yeah, it's pretty I, I, I can definitely see why people would be offended by that, even if it's not inherently anti-Semitic, you know? Yeah, and like I did in our last episode, I did kind of equate it to witch hunting or witch burning and... It, that is a pretty strong thing to compare it to, but that's what I kind of what I think the uh, like what the slippery slope would lead to. Like it's not exactly that. Right. Obviously, people aren't being killed for things. Maybe threats. No, but it's but everybody. Gets it's threatened. very similar. It's a very similar mentality, and people use the term witch hunt to describe really any of those sort of situations. Anytime you have that sort of mob mentality that takes over and essentially removes people for unjust reasons, and. Uh, you know, you could apply that term to a lot of different things. I remember uh, when I was actually in Salem, Massachusetts and went to the Salem Witch Museum, uh, the big comparison that a lot of people were making was to Trump's deportation of Muslims and, uh, you know, the whole Muslim ban at the time. Yeah. So, you know, you can really make that sort of argument from any side of the political spectrum, right? Um, 
uh, it, it's less to do with personal politics. It's more to do with just the mentality behind, you know, mobs of people literally attacking people for just being slightly different um, or having different beliefs. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that the whole idea of cancel culture is basically being politicized now. Like now that's being claimed by, I guess, the conservative wing of politics as, uh, I guess, a weapon to use anytime they say something stupid and then get called out for it. And for what it's worth, there's a huge difference between being a fascist and having some slightly different political beliefs, right? There's a difference between like actually committing sexual assault and making jokes on Twitter. And uh, it seems like people can't make that distinction. It seems like we're seeing a lot of black and white here. Uh, yeah, like specifically when we were talking about cancel culture, like what we mean is the kind of overzealous clamor for the ruining of people's livelihoods because they either have a different opinion or they just said something stupid or did something stupid that wasn't necessarily harmful, but, you know, just dumb. Maybe they shouldn't have. And, and like maybe it was something they did years ago and now it's just come up. Yeah, so it is worth mentioning that while Gina Carano did get fired from her job on The Mandalorian, she immediately landed a film contract with Ben Shapiro, who... Uh, yeah, what is that about? He... So, I, I remembered reading about this, like, last year, but uh, apparently he's launching his own film studio just for conservative filmmakers <laughs> and conservative storytelling, just to sort of boycott the uh, more liberal elements of Hollywood. Obviously, very liberal city, very liberal messages in a lot of Hollywood films. Yeah, so, that's no secret. You can sort of see why he'd be prompted to make that, uh, and you could even argue that he's pretty justified in doing that, uh, just to get, you know, you, you always hear the diversity argument made in Hollywood. It makes sense that you'd want some diversity of beliefs in storytelling as well. Right. So I, I, I can, you know, I don't fault him for doing that. Um, personally, I can sort of see why she would want to work for him after this whole situation, right? Yeah, there was a, a video he had talking about it. Where he's like, listen, I'm Jewish, and while this didn't, doesn't really offend me, I think it was, you know, stupid for her to say. But at the same time, you know, and he went on a whole list of comparisons of why Disney's hypocritical. Here's the main thing. I think if if the roles were reversed and say Hollywood was a more conservatively minded, uh, you know, conservative dominated uh, culture, then you'd probably still see the same thing where anybody who has liberal ideas and is outspoken about them would get their jobs taken away or and they would get fired and called out. Yeah. It's just something that people need to pull back on. It's just too much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just painfully obvious for anyone who's an outside observer here that it is literally just a left-right thing. You know, it's not like anyone is actually crossing a line here um, with anything they're saying online. <laughs> It's really just about personal beliefs, and it's really created a sort of toxic culture for anyone watching from the outside. And, of course, for a company as big as Disney is, it's so easy for them to just snap their fingers and say, okay, you're out because we don't need the bad press. Because they, they don't. They really don't. It They can make their billions elsewhere. And it's stupid because now they're going to have to come up with a dumb reason why Cara Dune doesn't appear again. Oh, yeah, she was in her X-Wing and uh, oh, she crashed in a mm, training exercise. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, they definitely should not recast the role. I feel like that would just be a terrible idea for a myriad of reasons. But, uh, yeah. you know, at, at the very least, you know, they don't necessarily have to kill her off. She was already just a recurring character. They could just, you know, not... Uh, revisit her or anything just you know I, I feel like there's a cleaner way to do it without uh, completely writing her out 
Um, and who knows? Maybe they will uh, pull a James Gunn with her and bring her back after months of uh, you know having her fired. Yeah, I've some I've seen some people bring that up too about James Gunn being rehired, and you know I've also seen some other speculation that maybe she just wanted out of her contract and that she did this on purpose, and then you know some think that it was in the contract and they've been telling her for a long time to stop doing that. So whatever the case may be, uh, it sucks. Yeah. Any hoozles, uh, let's get into the Arrowverse stuff. All right. So, what were your expectations going into Superman and Lois? Because, obviously, uh, it, it, it's sort of a hot-button sort of thing, right? Um, there was a lot of eyes on this thing, specifically because it's another Arrowverse series, because you have this dedicated fan base, because it's Superman, and everyone loves Superman. So, mm-hmm. what what were your expectations just from, like, the early advertising you saw? Okay. Well, as we know, this Superman started out in the Supergirl series, which yes, I am from outspokenly, at least on here, not a fan of for He started in season reasons. two, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I did actually watch that episode where he showed up. But, um, yeah. you know, our perception of him then, uh, up until this point, at least, was that, you know, he seems kind of meek, <laughs> as we've stated <laughs> well, before. I mean, so we've had the recurring joke on here anytime <laughs> we've talked about his physique that uh, I could probably beat him up if I really wanted to. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I say that as someone who's nonviolent, who's not in, like, fantastic shape. But, uh, you know, it, it just it gives you an idea of how, like, meager this guy actually looks. You know, you don't expect him to be this super buff, like, historically uh, super strong version of the character, right? Um, he just doesn't have the superhero physique. Yeah. I will say they buffed him up a lot for this Yeah, role. they really padded um, out the, just, uh, the outfit. I, it has to be at least partially the costume, yeah. Oh, yes, totally um, a lot the costume. <laughs> Which, I mean, it kind of makes yeah. sense because you figure when Superman is drawn often, he has this giant bodybuilder physique, but then how does nobody notice that when he's Clark? And... I'm sure there's some explanation somewhere that he has some kind of uh, precise control over all the muscles in his body where he can suppress the the bulk of it when he's Clark. And so he just kind of shrinks himself down. There's your explanation. That's why. Yeah, basically. So I will say I actually didn't see too, too much advertising for this going in. Right. Um, I, I mean, there might have been teasers and stuff, but it just seems like they didn't put a lot of build up into this thing uh, compared to some of the other Arrowverse series. Well, it was first announced that they were going to do it actually almost, almost sort of maybe like slightly over a year. It was almost two years. It was first announced in October 2019, which was before, I think right before. Yeah. The... um crisis crossover crisis. was going to happen yeah and yeah it was lois yeah. first appeared in the elseworlds crossover which i was trying to remember what the hell happened at all in that crossover just yesterday i was like what even what do they do in that and, th- and then today i just remembered it was the whole thing with the book of destiny and then they fought the amazo robot and all that yeah it was the whole precursor to crisis and they introduced batwoman and you know they created that whole you know, time paradox, since it literally makes no sense yeah. that she appeared before. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it yeah, didn't make yeah, any yeah. sense. But anyway, you know, we haven't had the best perception of the Superman. We he and you know, it makes sense to some extent, right? Like uh, at least when he was appearing in Supergirl, he was there as a tertiary character. He w- wasn't meant to be a uh, scene stealer or anything. He was just meant to be this world Superman because obviously Kara's fate is tied to Superman being his cousin, right? Um. 
so it made sense from that perspective. I didn't fault him for trying. Obviously, a lot of what we saw in Supergirl was not that impressive. Yeah, I didn't really like his costume. Just, it, I don't know, in some parts it looked too bulky and in other parts it looked too lean. The, like, the fastening metal parts that held his cape on, I don't know, it made it look kind of toyish. It just was weird. So... At least my initial perceptions going into this thing were, oh, it's probably just another Arrowverse thing. I probably don't need to see this, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. It's going to be another big woke pile of trash. They got those writers over there that all they care about is diversity and writing liberal politics stories. And I don't want to see no liberal politics and, Superman. Right. So, <laughs> to, right. so to be fair... <laughs> And again, I'm not like condemning the politics because I tend to agree with that frame of uh, view. But uh, but that was the let, let's say yeah, exactly. That's the exact criticism that you could have a lot of these series, especially Supergirl. Main encompassing atmosphere of Supergirl, right? right. Um, so look, they don't shy away from liberal politics in uh, Superman and Lois, but it's not so in your face that it's impossible to watch if you have a slight disagreement with those beliefs, right? He, here's the thing. And this is one thing I liked, and maybe we'll get into it more in depth later, but there's a particular scene where they're sitting down having a conversation with somebody of opposing views, and neither side is portrayed as wrong. They make their points, and it's left up to you to decide who you agree with more. That, that, my friends, is how you explore political problems in television and you know what's a show that does yeah, that it's just good discourse almost perfectly star trek the next generation <laughs> oh yeah I, I was thinking you were going to say the orville but uh, yeah well yeah, obviously the orville i mean obviously the orville is inspired just, by that yeah exactly <laughs> so i will say first of all superman drinks ipas it's now canon <laughs> so that's cool <laughs> but yeah it, it's absolutely right like you know and I, I, I don't know if it counts as a spoiler to talk about that particular scene, but it, it, that even, I wouldn't even really consider it to be as much a liberal talking point as more of a populist versus uh, more pro what What's the opposite of populist? Pro-fascist? Pro-big um, business? I, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, but, I, but I would say that's more of a populist talking point. Neocon, so. neolib, one of those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, yeah, just pro-big business, pro- uh, yeah, I, I guess neoliberalism or neoconservatism. Neoliberalism focuses more on the business aspects. Neoconservatism focuses more on international oh, okay. conflict. But well, it, yeah, it's more of a thin line, right? Um, so point is, it's more of a. It, it gets these points across without really being in your face about it. You can still watch this without being super woke or super aware of the current political situation. Um, it does it pretty well. Yeah. Whereas in the first episode of Supergirl, it's like right off the bat, they just put a fist in your face and say, understand this, bigot. You will accept these feminist values because this is what this show is about. Sit back and enjoy the ride or get out now. I got out, needless to say. Which to their credit, there's a loyal audience to Supergirl that really likes those talking points. Sure. So who are we to judge, right? Um, it, Superman's definitely different, yeah. Having said all that, going into it, my expectations, you know, that combined with kind of the typical low budget nature of CW shows, I was like, you know, I just don't want to see Superman get shit on more than he already has been with no Henry Cavill movie. Oh, we're doing a new one now. We're rebooting it. New guy. Just erase that. Oh. With Tana Hesha Coates. Yeah. 
<laughs> no Superman game, but he's a villain in any game that he does appear in. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, so those were both valid points. And you know, that's actually another thing that came out like a day or two after uh, the first episode of Superman Low was coming out, that uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates was uh, going to be uh, re- basically writing the script for a new Superman movie, but we have no idea if it actually ties into the DCU or if Cavill is returning to the role. It's sort of left open, but... You know, hopefully he does. He's got a loyal fan base there. We've obviously got the Snyder Cut coming out next month. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out uh, is the point I'm trying to make here. I just want to see Henry Cavill come back. I, it's all I want to see. It, Man of Steel came out eight years ago. Oh, goodness. I thought it was 2011. It was 2013. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that, okay, that actually makes sense. Um, so... Basically, our expectations going into this, if it wasn't abundantly clear from the last 10 minutes, is meh. Yeah. Which is a lot of the expectations you get watching these series. I I, I believe that was the review we gave Batwoman uh, in the initial uh, offset. Yeah, it was because it was getting a lot of negative attention because obviously there is a certain type of people on internet that want to hate things like that. And there's equally a certain type of people that want to just shamelessly love things like that. Yeah, And so, you know, when we went into that, we were like, oh, wow. You know what? The trailer for that Batwoman, the main thing that I thought was so dumb was when she said uh, something about the costume was like, oh, it'll be perfect when it fits a woman. And uh, I'll do I'll do better than Batman or something like that. Yeah, it, the the trailer itself was way more cringeworthy than the actual show. And uh, I, I will say we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Um, the first season isn't like it has those elements, but it's not as cringy as the original promotional materials made it out to be. Right. There was a specific line that was taken out from the trailer that it, that led, led it to getting, I think it was like the most downvoted trailer ever at the time. Yeah, it's. I, I think for as far as the CW series, it had like just probably the most negative uh, rating of any trailer we've actually seen from anything the CW's put out. So, uh yeah it yeah 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 so point is first season wasn't that terrible second season encapsulates that a lot more yeah i don't Um, i didn't even bother watching the first episode of the second season they the moment they did the whole forget kate kane and do somebody else oh and and now she's uh, literally uh, the first shot of the first scene is kate kane's dead body in the middle of nowhere in a crash plane and then this (laughs) random girl finds the plane and steals the costume and despite the fact that she has no relation to this character whatsoever um they go out of their way to make this whole ham-fisted connection between her and alice which makes literally no sense in the context of the series but you know they had to have some way of tying this in giving her some personal stake yeah because and it doesn't work at all alice is the only thing that was working with the show by the end of the first season at least for me yeah precisely I, i yeah i'd have to agree with you there um and, you know, I, I liked uh, Ruby Rose in the role. I thought she made a pretty good Batwoman. Um, this new girl who I, I can't even remember the character's name uh, or Ryan, who the actress is. I think. Ryan because, Wild, something like that. Yeah, because every, I guess, black woman lead in a TV show now has to have a male name, like in Star Trek Discovery. Michael Burnham. Just why? Mm. I'm, I'm not saying you're, you know, wrong for doing that or that it's explicitly a bad thing, but just. Why? Well, women can have men's names too, John. You got to get your head out of your ass and get woke. I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so point is, don't watch Batwoman season two unless you really just want to be bored for an hour. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Um, So the reason I actually decided to go ahead and watch this uh, first episode of the Superman show was the day after it aired, I was, of course, looking on Twitter, as you do when you just hate yourself and everything. And I came across a small, a small clip. It might have even been a GIF, GIF, of him in a certain costume taken directly from the old 1940s Superman cartoon, which only had, I think, nine episodes. Really, really early on thing. And I think that cartoon even coined the phrase, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, because that was the intro to it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This amazing stranger from the planet Krypton. The man of steel. Superman. Possessing remarkable physical strength, Superman fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Disguised as a mild-mannered newspaper reporter, Clark Kent. Yeah, I saw him wearing that. I was like, huh. That costume actually looks really good on him. Maybe the, maybe just maybe the people behind the show put just a little extra more effort into the detail. Maybe they actually care. Maybe. Yeah. I'll give it a chance. And so I did. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. I, like we said, completely different from anything else you've seen in the Arrowverse up until this point. Um, the cinematography actually, like, right away stood out to me as just being exceptional. Like, it actually has cinematic qualities to it. It actually feels like something that wasn't just shot as quickly as possible to make room for the next episode. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And I actually have it right here in front of me. So, reason number one. Well, actually, this is my reason. It's Superman. You must give him the attention he deserves. He is the man. Okay, but the real reason, uh, one of the executive producers, Todd Helbing, he said about producing it that uh, it was approached as if it were a feature film such as the aspect ratio, cinematography, and production design, saying, we're competing with shows on cable and streamers. We wanted to be able to do that and offer audiences something of equal quality. So there you go. And it does. It actually it's does. It's pretty good. The CG is good. The The CG on Supergirl is notoriously bad in some episodes. Like, I, I think it was when the two Martian Manhunters are fighting. They're, I don't know why they just don't paint the actors' faces. Just paint them green, for God's sake. They did that with Gamora in, in um, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. They do it with the Orions in Star Trek. You can paint I mean, people green. Come on. I, I guess it's probably like a cost-saving thing, right? Um, I, you have to imagine it probably takes a lot less time to have some visual effects artists. You know, I'm sure they had. It does yeah? I'm sure they had way less budget in like in the kind of ratings dip period when they had like Star Trek on or like Deep Space Nine because they had multiple actors. They had to have this elaborate makeup and prosthetics put on. I mean, but with Martian Manhunter, it's just okay. Maybe give him. You know, a little cap for the head shape and then paint his face green. It could have been done better, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, CG and Superman and Lois, at least for the first episode, pretty good. Maybe almost on the level of a film, I would say. Yeah, no, it's it's it was a very strong first episode. I think thematically, uh, it actually touched upon some pretty interesting points, too. Yeah, I will say I'm actually pretty intrigued to see where the story goes from here. Um, and I don't know if we want to get into spoilers at this point, but uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. 
let's get into it uh, without spoilers real quick. Um, yeah, so you have, it's really a family drama show, right? And I'm okay with that. I've seen some people, and there was this stupid article that said, uh, the show fixes the Superman problem, which is that stories about him are boring. It's like, huh? What do you mean boring? What's boring about it? It just says, oh, the fact that he's invulnerable obviously means he's boring because nothing can hurt him. That's never been the point of Superman. It's not just that you have to have kryptonite or be Kryptonian or have magic to have an interesting threat for him. The threat to Superman is the threat against everything around him, right? He wants to protect the city. He wants to protect Earth, Lois, his family. That is how you threaten Superman. And that is a far greater threat than anything that could be a danger just to himself, right? Right. Like, of course, Darkseid is a huge threat to him, both physically and to the world. So that kind of covers everything. So to be fair, you actually do get the sense from this first episode that the villain they're introducing, and I, again, I don't want to like spoil anything yet, but uh, Doom guy. you do get the sense <laughs> you do get the sense that there is an actual threat here. You get the sense that this guy knows way more about Clark than uh, you know we expect a random villain to know about Clark. Yeah, um, he actually does ha- seem to be able to go toe to toe with them pretty easily, and ha- at least has the resources to uh, sort of expand upon those abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot we don't know about this villain yet, so we, you know, when we do get into spoilers, we're not going to ruin anything really. But uh, yeah, but at this I'm, point, yeah. the villain is kind of secondary to the main thing, which, like I said, is the family drama. But See, the reason why I'm okay with that is because we already have the animated movies, right? We already have the big budget movies to see him go all out action. This is something where you can take the character and explore, you know, the mythos behind his personal relationships a bit more. And recently in the comics, they did give him a son as like main canon. That was the whole rebirth arc was where he had the son Jonathan and it's about his relationship to him. Of course, I like it (laughs) because my name is Jonathan, but it's named after his father, so... But yeah, I think that's a good aspect of him. Superman as a father. I've been thinking it's a good idea for a long time for the comics to not just create a new character and give them the title of existing ones, but, you know, like, pass on to the next generation. Don't just change their race or change one thing about them and call it new. Like, actually evolve the timeline, have the the next set of characters become the main line. Because why not? Like, 2099. We're going to get there soon enough, and what are we going to do? Not have that be the main Marvel comics? Oh, it's 2099, but we're still doing Spider-Man. He's just, you know, Captain America, he fought in the World War III. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, yeah, that's probably exactly what we're going to see. Instead of uh, actually creating new characters, they're just going to keep recycling the same old ones and maybe doing slightly new things with the story or trying to bring on new tweaks or... <laughs> You know, it'd be refreshing if they actually introduced new characters that were based off the initial, if um, you had some sort of rebirth or regeneration or next generation. Um, but, I, you know, who knows what the future of comics is really going to look like. Hmm. All digital. <laughs> we, I, I think we can get into spoilers now. We've been talking long enough about our initial expectations and our initial uh, review. Yeah, well, I guess at this point, if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend you go see it. Like I said... The family drama, it isn't really an issue for me because they have the action too. And, you know, so he has two sons instead of one because of the whole universe rewrite with Crisis, which we actually didn't mention. Um, So clearly... We don't know. We knew very little about this version of Superman from the prior media anyway. So who knows? Well, Lois was pregnant in Elseworlds. And so now both their sons are teenagers. 
So right off the bat, this is far removed in time from the main Arrowverse continuity, but also his suit is different and that's not explained. So it could even be, it, it could either be one of two things. Either the universe rewrite caused a few changes, which we know obviously they had one son and now it's twins. So I, I guess it is that, but I was going to say, or else it could be another Earth because multiverse thing is still a possibility. Could be, or it could just be a time skip, right? Um, which obviously there ha- would have to be some rewriting, like you said, uh, two sons instead of one. Uh, there would have to be some rewriting for that to make sense regardless, but uh I, I, I mean, it could just be 20 years or so down the line, right? Well, well it's about 14. Right, right, since they're both in high school. But p- point is, it could be a time skip, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, set exactly at the same time as The Flash and uh, Arrow and Supergirl and the rest of the, you know, Arrowverse. But yeah, so aesthetically, it's different than your typical Arrowverse fair, but they're also making an effort to kind of have it exist in a vacuum. Which I like because they, they don't it's have very to self-contained. They, yeah. Like they don't have to explain. Oh, if the Flash is doing this and there's a threat, why isn't Superman showing up? Where is he? Or where's the Flash? It's like it doesn't matter. It's it's a separate from that now. Yeah. So it's very self-contained. It works uh, pretty well. Yeah. And I thought, like like we said before, that when they do have conversations that touch into politics or you know any anything like that, it's done well. It's not really hammering into you something that they want you to believe like of course narratively it's going to present the perspective of superman and lois in a sympathetic light because they're the main characters but it's not just you have to think this or you're a bad guy and not yet at least right so here's what i will say uh since we're getting into spoilers now uh what sort of shocked me about the first episode what interested me where they're going to go from the series from here First of all, I, I actually had no idea that they were going to give him kids, like, in the actual thing. I thought it was going to be pretty much just focusing on Superman and Lois's relationship and, you know, take it from there. Oh, no, no. They said from the very beginning that it was going to be about him as a father and dealing with family right. life. Or both of yeah, them. Yeah, so, uh, and you do sort of get that sense pretty early on in the episode, right? Like, it's not like they shied away from it. So, that works pretty well. I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do with these two characters, John and uh, what, what's the Jordan. other kid's name? Jordan, yeah. So, you know, it, it was pretty obvious early on that Jordan was going to be the one with powers since they tried to make it obvious that John was the one who sort of had these natural athletic abilities and they were kind of going for a twist there. Yeah. Didn't exactly shy away from that. Well, I still think it's going to be both of them, just not yeah, at the same, same time. same, same, same. Same. And I, I think part of the reason why um, Jordan got the abilities first or the more obvious abilities mm. first was just because of the shock of that situation. Yeah, it's like the right? whole mutant Stress thing. That situation brought up. Yeah, exactly. So it worked pretty well in that context. But you also get the sense that John is much more confident in himself um, yeah. that he wouldn't necessarily need to. He he's not really under that same level of stress. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. So why would they awaken him at the same time? Mm-hmm. You know what's the funny so, thing? Just really quick, yeah. an aesthetic detail in the comics, Jonathan actually has the slightly longer black hair, but now it's Jordan who has it. Weird. Right. And one thing I was thinking. Well, you think that might have been a misdirect for anyone who was familiar with the comics? Uh, yeah, maybe. But another detail I thought was interesting was that they kind of seem like the split personalities of Clark Kent himself. Like, there's the confident, athletic side of Clark when he was growing up, which was, you know, his powers manifesting. But then there was, you know, his withdrawn, alienated side. And so, they've kind of actually split those two into two different people. 
Yeah, no, I think that's actually a really nice parallel, which, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I didn't pick up on it, but I'm saying uh, it, it wasn't extremely apparent to me uh, while, while I was watching. Yeah, well, like if you watch Smallville, that's exactly what it was, is that he was always struggling with, I have the ability to be confident yeah. and, you know, he was on the football team. And I remember even there was an episode where he's like offered... Spoilers for Smallville. Yeah, he's offered a position on like a college football team. I don't remember if he takes it or not, yeah. but... um. Yeah, and then there's always the thing about him being alienated and having to keep secrets from everyone. Although, I think at Smallville, they go way overboard with this whole secret thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I mean, anyone who's seen Smallville can tell you they really uh, take some stuff. Uh, <sighs> yeah. And you, you get that sense, actually, when he first uh, interacts with Lana in this episode, right? That, uh, y you know, like, maybe she isn't aware that he's Superman, but... Like, there's so much unexplained stuff there that, like, how would you not realize, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the glasses. Yeah. They uh, put up a ethereal force field in front of his face so that no one can really tell. <laughs> Precisely. Either so, that or he vibrates his head like the Flash does when he's Superman. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like one of the biggest unexplained things in comics that just everyone in the fandom sort of takes for granted. It, it, it makes like literally no sense that no one has deduced that he's Clark Kent, and, uh, aside from a handful of exceptions. But uh, he has subtle mind control powers. That's all. Yeah, maybe it, it, it would. You know, it's the growing list of Superman powers that they've just written in over the years uh, without any explanation. Just insert whatever explanation you want in there. Yeah. So the other thing that sort of uh, got at me, uh, the villain that we're actually introduced to here, who, you know, we technically don't big. know who it is. Agent Luther. Or Captain Luthor. Captain Luthor. That's right. And clearly he's black. <laughs> so this is not John Cryer. <laughs> well, wait, is he black? I, yeah. I mean, I, you just see the back of his head, but uh, I really? Mm -hmm. Huh. He actually looked like a pretty pale to me just in that initial shot we see at the back of his head. But, uh, well, it might have been the lighting because, I mean, he had a shiny bald head. Yeah. Well, point is it's not John Cryer, meaning it's not Lex Luthor, or if it is Lex Luthor, it's an alternate version of him, which would support the idea that it takes place in a different universe from the main conti continuity that this version of Superman's provided. Yeah, that's what I think, because... Yeah. He has a line of dialogue where he's talking about, I guess, where he comes from. And he says, where I come from, too, I'm the only survivor of my Earth. And I actually think that was an Elseworlds story in the comics, now that I think about it, that there was one where... Oh, uh, Earth 3. Yeah. Yeah, that's Alexander I don't know Luther. if it was Lex Luthor. There might have been one where it was Clark. No, that's Alexander Luthor. Well, um, right. well, the point is, well, it, you, you know, you know what I'm thinking of? And, yeah, There's a ahead. story where it's Clark Kent on earth and his parents are scientists and they send him from a dying earth to krypton <laughs> and then he becomes okay. whatever there yeah but uh i i mean i think i thought the point you were getting at was uh in the original uh, crisis on infinite earths uh one of the earths that sort of collapses in on the multiverse is earth 3 which has alexander luther who's basically a superman from his own reality he has the full red hair and everything and he's basically just a villain hmm. um an another so redhead. I, I don't recast. think that's what they're going for here, but uh, yeah, um, no, it might be so, someone else. No, so I, I, I mean, there's definitely they're trying to hint that he might be related to Lex Luthor, even if he isn't Lex Luthor. Um, it could be a descendant. It could be just someone who drew inspiration from Lex. Um, I, again, in in the whole Supergirl series, Lex Luthor is a convicted criminal. You know, there's no way around it until, uh, you know, crisis happens and he's completely rehabilitated and he's this world savior. So 
you know, that, that sort of complicates things. Who knows where they're going to go with it. I'm anxious to see. Yeah. But like right from the start, having a whole power suit and everything and having kryptonite is very typical Lex MO, right? It, it, it seems a lot like they're going for it to be Lex Luthor, which I think would be a little bit obvious and a little bit boring. Yeah, well, Captain Luthor, no. <laughs> whatever that means. Mm. Like, we yes. see he has some kind of secret base. He has people working for him. At this point, it's a mystery. But as I also said before, the focus wasn't on that. Like, right now, it's just setting that up, I guess, to clearly be, you know, an end of the season threat, which there's only going to be 15 episodes for the first season. It was actually going to okay, be 13, but they added nice. two more. Well, that's cool. Which, you know, I think is good because every single time they have to put 23 episodes or however the however the typical amount is in these kinds of shows, they end up dragging it out way too long when it should end sooner. Like, they should have two villains a season and have, like, 13 and then 13 or something like that. Or maybe 11 and 11, whatever. So, um, yeah, I, the one thing I'm anxious to see is what they do with Morgan Edge, right? Um and, you know, they're sort of hinting that he's just another big bad uh, in this whole series. But uh, we really don't know too much about the character at this point. You know, I purposefully didn't look up the character yet because I, I just want to be introduced to it. It's not often where I watch something like this and I don't know really anything about a character. They're they're hinting at who's clearly from the comics. I'm like, oh, now they're going to make him different and I'm not going to like it because the differences don't make sense and, you know, maybe I'll accept it. But no, it's like, I have no idea who this is and you know what? I don't care. Just because I have confidence in the writing so far because the dialogue I thought was really good. No ham-fisted messages thus far. I, I want to just let them introduce it to me and I'll take it as it is. So I, I do th think you sort of get uh, from, you know, they obviously don't show him on screen at this point, but uh, you get the sense from just the description of the character that he's sort of like a Maxwell Lord. Type, yeah, right? that's, just you know, that's what wealthy, I was thinking of the super, whole time. Yeah, I was just thinking of Pedro Pascal. Yeah, exactly. And that's now the perception I'm going to have of Maxwell Lord moving on is uh, Pedro Pascal. One of the <laughs> few like good things about Wonder Woman 1984. So, yeah, we'll... I mean, we'll see what they do with the character, but it's pretty obvious that he's just this rich industrialist who essentially has some ulterior motives. Uh, you know, if it, if it is just like buying up all the land, uh, getting people out of work so they're dependent on him, it's pretty fucking evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, there might be something about the land itself that he needs or something underneath it. Again, as of yet, we don't really know too much about the main threats, which is this... Uh, Doom guy Luthor, and uh, yeah, what, what was his name again? I keep wanting to say Max Lord, Captain Luthor. Oh, um, um, Morgan Edge, Morgan, Morgan Edge. Edge. That, yeah. That's such a forgettable name. Yeah, no, it's it, it's just another one of these sort of generic, uh, super rich bad guy names. But uh, Morgan Edge, Justin yeah. Hammer, Obadiah Stane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are Iron Man references. Yes, yes, yes. I'm aware. Um, yeah. So you know, we'll see what they do with it. That's. Basically everything I had to, to say about this uh, first episode, unless you had anything else to add. Um, all right. Well, how about some aesthetic details? Because I am a very aesthetically minded person. Mm. Uh, the costume looks, I would even go as far as to say it looks almost great. Yeah, very cool. The one thing that holds me back from liking it fully is the neckline. Every main Superman costume, and the New 52 is what screwed this up. 
has a big open neckline so you can even see part of his chest and maybe the tiny bit of like the start of his shoulders. I like that because that's like the classic strongman outfit. It shows the definition there. The the traps are a very strong muscle. If you work those out, you want to you want to show that. You want to show the strength. So give his neck some room, man. So I I I don't know if we explicitly said it while we were talking about his uh, previous appearances and how sort of meek he looked, but I uh, he looks totally different now. He actually looks like Superman now. <laughs> so uh yeah. Aside from the face, which I'm still kind of eh on, but I can get used to it if I have to. Right. No, I mean, I, I got used to it pretty quickly, uh, uh, pretty early on in this episode. So, um, you know, I, I think they really did spend a lot of time redesigning this character, really making Ty- Tyler Hecklin into a full-fledged version of the character. So, you know, it, it definitely makes it seem like he has staying potential. It makes it seem like he's actually like vintage Superman and not just some secondary character who's meant to be a stand-in for Superman, you know? Yeah, like before it looked like actor man wearing costume and now it's like icon. Ah, yes, good. Yes. So all things considered, I really like the creative direction they're going in here. Um, I, I think it's going to last for a <laughs> Uh, not to say it's going to last for many seasons, but I think it's going to work pretty well. I think fans are going to be pretty happy with uh, what they've done with the character, yeah. uh, what they're going to do with the storyline. I hope so. The main faltering point with CW shows is that they get they start to get kind of bad after the first season. So if we'll see. things are consistent with the way they are now, we'll at least get one good season. I, I would be okay with that. I It's a good season of a Superman thing. Right. It could definitely be a good self-contained story, even if it was just like a miniseries, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm anxious to see what they do with it. I'm happy with what we've seen so far. I'm definitely going to watch the rest of the season. Yeah, I definitely will. So, with all that being said, I think this is a good place to end it. Uh, well, I mean, we're 10 minutes to an hour. There were, there were a few visual details. Like, uh, just going back to the costume really quick. Like, when he showed up in the beginning in that 1940s costume, it looked... Just as quality as the Kingdom Come one that Brandon Routh wore in uh, the Crisis crossover. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And it actually, that's uh, sort of what that initial costume design made me think of. Yeah. uh, yeah. And it's like a direct translation of the comic book one right to the screen. You're like, they just added some texture to it. And and that's good. And the one he's wearing now is kind of like the Rebirth one. Like, I know they gave him back the trunks, but it's like the Rebirth one right before they gave him back the trunks. And... You know, that's good. I'm okay with that. And another important thing. His heat vision is red. The correct color, not blue, red. Red heat vision. You got it right. Why was it blue in the first place anyway? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that they just did that for uh, Supergirl to make her seem a little more distinct from, uh, you know, her counterpart. But uh, yeah, it doesn't really work, does it? I don't know. I guess maybe there was some kind of reasoning that blue is hotter than red. But no, come on, it's red. It's just like in Terminator, if you're showing the future war and you're showing the the plasma weapons, they have to be purple, purple energy, not red, not blue, not green, purple. It's important. <laughs> really, really important these things are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have really anything else to say about Superman unless you've got um, some other visual stuff to say. I do want to say, um, since I haven't explicitly said it on the podcast yet, I've been watching WandaVision. Um, they nailed it, man. <laughs> it's... 
way better than I think anyone was expecting. And it's like it like just so much better than anything else Marvel's put on TV. Um, you can clearly tell they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. I actually have not seen it yet. Go see it. Go I, I don't watch know what it, it is. Like it. Just Marvel things I have less of an interest in. I guess I'm definitively more of a DC fan. Clearly, since all of our episodes, almost all of our episodes talk about DC stuff. I, I mean, I think we're inevitably, we're inevitably going to have to do a WandaVision episode as soon as the series is over, which I think it has two or three episodes left. Um, I, yeah. I think it's sort of unconfirmed. But uh, I, I know Mike has been uh, watching that pretty religiously, so uh, we'll definitely bring him on whenever we do talk about this. Um, yeah, go see WandaVision. It's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, well, next month, we, of course, have Zack Snyder's Justice League. The first time we'll be reviewing a Justice League film. The first Justice League film ever, right? I think we did a low-res review on uh, the original N- Justice League. I, I think we did. No, did no. We? It, it was um, episode nine of the podcast. We actually talked about it. The original it one. Seriously? Yep, huh? yep. That far wow. back. So we'll be doing that, that and we'll be doing Godzilla versus Kong. So that's two episodes next month. So look out for that. Um, yeah, I guess closing thoughts. Uh, the Suns, do you like the Suns personalities in the show? Yeah, you know, I, I think they come off like John comes off as a little bit cocky, a little bit of that sort of jock mentality. But uh, I can look past that. I feel like they're going to develop him a little bit more. Uh, Jonathan has, a, or sorry, not Jonathan, Jordan has a decent depth to him. I like that he's the first one who's sort of going on this journey of self-discovery. I like, uh, you know, the so, sort of socially anxious thing is sort of like a polar opposite version of Superman. So uh, Yeah, I could definitely identify with it. And I like that he was playing Injustice too. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was actually pretty funny. A uh, pretty nice Easter egg. <laughs> I saw an article <clears throat> that was talking about it. And it said, um, you know, it was talking about that scene and it said, and Jordan was playing a violent video game as a supervillain against Superman. And I was like, oh, it's obviously Injustice 2. <laughs> it's a fighting game and he was using Raiden, who was not a villain. Wake up. They don't know. That's why we have this show, because we know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So a lot of good <laughs> Easter eggs, a lot of good stuff. Go check out the first episode if you haven't already. Yeah. I recommend it. Support the soup. Support your boy Superman. Anyway, with all that being said, uh, check out our website for a full list of all of our podcast links, utterlynonsense.com. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. With all that being said, and I think I said with all that being said multiple times, so uh, sorry. With all of that, all of that being said, being said. Ladies and gentlemen, 8-Bit Music plays out. <laughs>